reading poetry from Central America. After talking with my brother, suddenly remembering how they kill. Couldn't really say it straight before. They told me you were dead. I died. They told me your mother was dead. I died again. They told me the kids were dead. I died with each name. Fire. The government said accident. They lied. Duck Valley, my El Salvador. Our last kiss was our last goodbye. They came for you in winter's night. Winter's wind wailed in morning. Government people searched for days. Scene of crime, digging through ashes, looking for body parts and disturbing evidence. We buried you all in a large grave while a blizzard covered us in a blanket of snow. How it stormed, terrible pain in land of the free. Someone's should have noticed fewer women laughing. Someone's should have noticed fewer children growing up. Hello, hello, and welcome. You're listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val, a little music and poetry from John Trudell. Um, I was just interviewing uh, three women who are running for supervisor on the previous show, Women's Magazine. Uh, Kimberly Alvarenga, who's, who's going to be, who's st- stuck around to talk with us for just a few minutes, um, running for supervisor of District 11. Um, I also spoke with Sandra Fewer of District 1 and Hillary Ronan of District 9, which is right here in the mission but uh we're here in the common thread collective with diamond dave and and who better to open up the show than diamond dave's oldest eldest son first son uh number one ubi dooby whitaker live hey, in the hey, stu- hey. hey hey give it yeah. hey how you doing everybody um thanks a lot and thank you diamond d valerie right on thanks mutiny radio here we go again another week here and I made it. I'm sorry. I've been on vacant. I just haven't been able to get it together. You know, I'm saying I'm busy, but I still got a couple woolies for you. And here we go. I said every day, every day I have the blues. Every day. Every day I have the blues You see me worry, baby It's you I hate to lose Nobody loves me Nobody seems to care I said Nobody loves me Nobody seems to care Bad luck and trouble Is all I have to say
So I'm the pack up my suitcase and, and move on down the line. I'm the pack up my suitcase and I'm the move on down the line. Will nobody be worrying and nobody be crying. Go, people. Right, right on, Ubi. So glad you're here today. Thanks so much. I know, and if you, I hope you're hanging out so you can play us another one in just a couple minutes. Warm up. Sorry, those first couple of notes are always questionable. It's the first 22. I I understand. Let's let's yeah no yeah no sorry needed. This is a no sorry zone. Ubi, so glad you're here. Not only as my son, but as a great and amazing musician who I happen to know so well. Hey, Ubi, hang on in, hang on out. And we got our sister Pearl is going to be coming through. She attended every session of the El Andonito trial. Oh, wow. And, you know, just yesterday, and she was there when the few people in the courtroom, when the jury came back and said, not guilty to the San Francisco Police Department, there was particular aid that was responsible for the multiple shooting, the multiple bullets that went into the body right up on that hill of uh, El Andonito. Well, I'm looking at Kim Avaranga. Hey, Diamond Dave, how's it going? Oh, good enough. It was so good to hear the three of you. And the podcast is now up. The three mothers. I hadn't seen you together, and I really wanted to. The three mothers. That's Hillary. That's Kim. And that's... Sandra. Sandra. And uh, I had a great conversation. We had a great conversation with Hillary putting everything in the context of life and what it's like in that district of number of district number nine because she's uh, going to be standing in and running in for uh, for the now uh, the now termed out uh, David Campos and you're doing the, the, the same thing for happy birthday John I'm talking about John Avalos John Avalos who was responsible did you see for the proclamation naming Diamond Dave Whitaker Day awesome. which is going to be each every, and every February 2nd we better get that together for sure <laughs> And anyway, and we're, we'll be having po poems under the dome. That was the proclamation coming up on the 28th. But Kim, uh, I want this chance to talk to you and I want to have a longer conversation as this rolls on. But Kim, I said you're standing in for John. John has said that uh, the, you're one of the mothers. In fact, happy birthday, John. I believe it's his birthday today. Uh, happy birthday, John. And what is, well, how do you see yourself? How did that happen that you're in this lineage of progressive members of the board of John, of John, of John Avalavo, uh, Avalos District 9? That's the Excelsior District. District 11. District 11, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, District 11. And, you know, I can't help but, like, be sitting here in front of you and such an awesome poet and uh, such love for the community that you've always had and such dedication. And, Fellow human being. Uh, you know, I think I just want to lead with that, you know, the word love. Exactly. You know, I think that um, at the end of the day, like, you know, we, we love our communities. Uh, we love the city. We love the people in it. Uh, we love our children and um, everything about it that makes um, our city so special. Um, and it's from a place of love that I have decided to um, step up and uh, take uh, some responsibility as a, a community person that uh, sometimes when we are in a position of privilege and, uh, 
you know, the universe puts us in those positions, you know, it's really important to step up and all of us do that we can. And so after um, you know, working with uh, Tom Amiano for a number of years, um, being under him, as a, he's been such a great mentor for me and taught me so much, especially about like uh, elected office. He's taught me that you can actually uh, run, be in politics and keep your integrity. Um, and care about the community. You don't always have to be agreed with, but uh, I think people have respected him and love him. And so it's from that place that I've decided to um, step up and try to make a difference for um, our communities in San Francisco, for the families that live in District 11 that like represent, I, I believe I best represent those families now. You know, I, these are working class people. Uh, these are labor households. These are per people working two, three jobs to, to survive survive and make ends meet, um, trying to uh, be happy and love their families. And uh, that's, that's why I'm stepping up and running. And I go back here in this town till 1952, 1957. I'm 78 saying, learn to love, love to learn, this never ends. So I came here to join that generation with a soon as we call Beat to Beats. And I've been here since. So one of the people, as you say, who represents this lineage, who've been here for many, many years, who've been active here for many years, who've left my mark, who would like to stay here. And it's becoming more and more difficult. I think if Diamond Dave is first out of here, it'll be, it'll be kind of the end of the beginning. And so I support, uh, so anyway, so I have a vested interest in seeing that you mothers step up and uh, step up and uh, so whatever I can do to help make that happen. Thank you, I, I really do see this as, um an ongoing multi-generational struggle that we've had, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't believe it's going to end or begin with me. Um, you know, elector, you know, politicians come and go, you know, but the beat um, goes but on. The beat goes on. That's right. And like, as you mentioned, like you've been in the struggle for many, many years. Uh, so have I. And what we need to do is make sure that we create those spaces so that other folks that come after us, like our children, uh, can be able to continue to advocate. I think this is a long-term. Uh, uh, community power building struggle that we're going to ha we have on our hands and it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a while uh, but I think that uh, if we come together and build power uh, we will continue to have some impact on on this city to make sure that um, we can all live here and here thrive. at the grassroots here we are how did uh, let, me, let me ask this to get a little specific how did you uh, connect to John Avalos when he Francis Jeremy, his staff are sitting around saying, "Who should, who should we put our hand on our shoulder to say that uh, that's the one to uh, that's the one is very important transition." He's been here. He sees it. He's seen it. He's termed out now, and you're being termed in. How did that happen? I think a relationship is a really big, important part. You know, the work that you do in the community. Uh, you know, I've worked in the community for my entire life. Uh, been in community-based organizations, uh, working on issues like immigration. You know, I sit on the board of Mujeres Unidas y Activas. Um, I have worked for legal aid for many years. Are you a lawyer? For our folks, nope. Just as a as a legal advocate. You know, from life experience. Uh, uh, struggling uh, with my mom trying to raise me on her own, uh, you know, worked on housing issues, uh, on women of color issues uh, over the years, and I think that it's in the in that work and in those relationships that I've uh, gotten to know John. So he reached and, out to uh, you and reached out. You reached out uh, to him. I think we probably uh, reached out, yeah, to each other. A lot of possibilities. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I think that uh, a part of this uh, was really a community, uh, a, a, a community decision. Well, this is about this is a and and try, well now I understand you said here too that a man a man who's got a lot of charisma too is Francisco Rara also running? I believe he is. Yes. Okay. Well, you know you know that brother, don't you? Yes. Well, I'd like to see some things being worked out because he's also a man who has a lineage as well. Am I right? I believe so. I have great respect for him. He's a he's a really good person. And uh, we need to uh, make sure that in the process we respect each other and that we work together because uh, we all want to see the same outcome, uh, which is our uh, communities being represented. Uh, here be Pearl. Pearl sat in all the, uh, all, all the sessions of the... Uh, uh, but uh, but hold on, Pearl. Uh, you're going to have to. Uh, but what I'd like to say to you uh, before you leave, I know you're you're busy and you're going to get busier. <laughs> but I want you to find some time down the line where we can sit down and go into depth this because uh, go into depth of these things because well, one of my lines is, uh, the Liz uh, is that it's not who you know, or what you know. It's what you know about who you know. And go. if you're in those kind of kind of grassroots pol politics uh, life, you know exactly that it's true. And Thank I you. think I'm going to be seeing you later at uh, John Avalos' uh, karate party, his B-Day party. Am I right? That's right. Karaoke. We're, karaoke. Come you on say, by. Let's sing some rancheras. Okay, you do rancheras. <laughs> I want to ask, how does that work? You can ask for it. I'm going to let you go. But, uh, but how does that go? You can get up there. You can ask that some song be played, and then you look at it, and you sing along. Is that karaoke? I've never done it. I think so, yeah. The good thing is that you, you can read the words. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you can go wrong, but not that wrong. Well, I'm going to be there, and I want to do some hip stuff uh, let's get the the song I can think of I hopefully I have it is let's get together and love one another thank you so much for and as I say love love will get you everywhere hate will get you nowhere that's right brother it's so nice to meet you and I was to be Pearl is about to go on so she's gonna have to go but to be connected yes Kim Alvarenga thank you so much for coming down to mutiny radio today uh, check out her website Kim K-I-M Alvarenga, A-L-V-A-R-E-N-G-A dot -E com. And uh, also download the Women's Magazine podcast from, from today, March 11th, um, as I spoke with Kim Alvarenga, Sandra Fewer, and Hillary Ronan, three women who are running for Board of Supervisors here. Um, and looking forward to the next time we get to talk more in depth with Kim and then have another session where we get to have Sandra Fewer come in uh, for a one-on-one -on -one, um, because we had Hillary come in, Hillary Ronan, who's dis running for District 9. She was in here just a few weeks ago. Um, so happy to be here at Mutiny Radio uh, to be uh, putting out to amplify the voices of the community, um, those who are looking out for everybody else around. Um, so speaking of looking out, and well, uh, I just uh, is looking out, I look out and see Ubi, but I want to say I want to bring I want to bring all progressive candidates for supervisors in here eventually. Like I mentioned, our brother for, who may be right, Francisco Rara. You remember Francisco? Of course, he, yeah, he ran a very uh, he ran for mayor, and he actually of the of the of the cha the challengers candidates, he got the biggest number of votes. 
So uh, Francisco Herrera is a you know a great community um, representative and, and, and activist. Um, so it'll be good to have him come back in and for a visit and uh, yeah, I believe he's running he's, a, see where he is now. And uh, for district election, I believe I said that uh, didn't I, Val? I said, hey Francisco, you'd be a great candidate for supervisor. So we'll see what happens. I think it's on four. Hopefully, and we also already had for district uh, nine. We had Edwin on. Who is still running for supervisor? That's right, Edwin Lindo. Edwin, and I don't know. Hopefully, but well, we do have uh, ranked choice voting. You can vote one, two, three. So uh, keep that in mind. That's true. Because I want to want to see the perfect. Well, here he's, and here's Pearl combing her hair as if it's TV, but it's not. But here be Ubi. Take <laughs> it away, Ubi. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was still laughing from when you were going to go to a karaoke and do a hippie song. That was awesome. I'm going to do a hippie I song. I want to give you a shout out. I'll try to, we can work one out together. Maybe yeah, I can do could. some backup or something. Uh, the song, come together you know and love one play. another right now. Well, I'm going to do just a slow one. I told you I was going to do a fast one, but it's a, it's a fake out. Uh, what's up, people? What's up? It's Friday here at Mutiny Radio once again. Diamond D, as you see, is an area. And Valerie. And now we got Pearl in the house. So here we go. Too many dirty dishes, baby. In the sink for just us two. Too many dirty dishes, baby. In the sink for just us two. You got me wondering, baby, who making all these dirty dishes with you? I go to work in the morning, come back home at night, when I leave there in the dish in the sink, baby, when I come back, they stacked up tight, you know what I'm saying, too many dirty dishes, baby, in the sink for just us two. Dirty dishes, baby. Thanks. 
and they sing for us too. Do I hear Diamond D in the background? You got me wondering, baby, who making all these dirty dishes with you? All right, people. What's up, Friday? I say once again, it's Friday at Mutiny Radio. And I'm hanging with Diamond D on the show. I said, it's Friday, baby. And I'm hanging with Diamond D. It's Friday, and we at Mutiny Radio with Diamond D. I hope you have a good one. From Diamond D. Yeah. Right on, thank you. Ube dube. I'm done. <laughs> I, I ran out of notes. <laughs> Somebody get that man a pen. Yeah, he ran out of notes. Uh, it's That's it. so cool to have you come in live. I, I know it's, you know, everybody who, who shows up shows up when they can. Uh, glad you could show up today. Yeah, I uh, try to practice in the middle, but it's hard. I mean, no. I try to keep up because Diamond D calls me all the time, and I, 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 I Jedi mind tricked him a few times. I didn't show up, you know what I'm saying? But I always thinking of him in the background, try to keep up with my chops because he might come at me later about it. You know what I'm saying? You're playing. What happened, bro? You know, so I don't want him to come at, at me like that. Well, so I, I got to keep up with my, my chops. No, no, I'm just messing with you. you know well, don't, I mean? don't worry, Ubi. You actually are on the show every Friday because we always play That's true, yeah, your yeah, song. True. So. Yeah, I better learn how to sing that one for real. As I say, Ubi, you've heard me say it before. Don't worry, be hippie. Don't worry, be happy. This yeah. be Ubi and you be karaoke. my son. Well, no, go to a karaoke show and do a hippie song. That's what me and you, Dad. Yeah, we're, we're going to do go Come Together and Love One Another. You pick one. I know you got your version of, that you have your own version of uh, Imagine of John Lennon talking about the ultimate yeah. hippie song. That, uh, uh, <laughs> I know I'm not alone. That's I'm not the only song, one. Though. John Lennon. <laughs> Look at his smile, Pearl. Well, yeah, let's only get serious. We'll get serious now. I'm sorry. What's up, people? Peace in the hizzle, Brizzle. For all of those undertones. I'm so glad you're here because I got my, I got my there you I got go. sister Pearl here. And now to go to the kind of the tragic, I mean the tragic, we've all talked about that up on top of this hill called Berno. I live in the Berno Bottoms. We shot dead, uh, I think it was a year ago, last two month or so. Ago, so. Two years ago. How time flies when you're older. You know that, Pearl. <laughs> How time flies. We shot dead, I say, at city, in the city, on the planet, and in, in the street, because he's about all of that. I'm talking about Alejandro Nito, who was shot dead by the San Francisco Police Department as he's eating a burrito, waiting to go to his job. He was also, I say, at city, because he was a longtime student at City College. He was in the criminal justice department, interestingly enough. He was hoping to be a probation officer to help his brothers and sisters, the young brothers coming along. Am I right? And uh, Am I right, Pearl? That's right. That's right, and, Simon Dave. And then just finally, 
after after some exoneration by the San Francisco Police Department, after they conducted hardly an investigation, uh, after he's, uh, here's a man who was shot some 16 times, is that right, Pearl? Well, 59, 59 50, shots. 59 shots by the police department when he was simply sitting, having a burrito. He happened to have his laser with him because I guess, because as a uh, security guard playing in the, where I work in these places, that's part and parcel, I guess, what you carry with you. Oh, my goodness. So he had a taser on taser, his Taser, not taser, but a lot of laser, but taser. And someone saw it and, th and thought it was a gun. And made a 911 call. So, so first thing off, I say, people, be careful when you call the police, right? Oh, my so that call actually led to this man's death because in the moment that he made the call, there was suggested as a Latino man with a red jacket on that he was a Norteño. So there was already the impression an impression, an imagined situation that he was a gang member. But what did he have on? He had on a brand new spanking 49er jacket, okay? So I'm just saying, I was there for the entire trial. And I have never, ever imagined such a travesty of, of, of justice. There were the most amazing, amazing civil rights lawyers from Attorney Burris's offices. So this is Mr. Attorney Adante, Adante Pointer. I'm just saying he's like the name. And Latif Gray. And these two lawyers, I mean, this was like, you know, Jesse Jackson and Denzel Washington. I'm just saying. These lawyers were dressed to the nines. They were smooth, elegant, intelligent, brilliant, amazing lawyers. And despite all that, despite all that, the city freaking attorney, this woman who was so untogether, so unprofessional, and so amazingly rude and unfeeling went up there with these lies. And I'm telling you, they're lies. They ain't nothing but a made-up story. Okay? And the jury? And they paid hella money to do it. They paid $40,000 to get a little fancy man to make them some 3D friggin' reconstruction. They got an expert who just, you know, does this all the time for the police. He does it five times a year. They got a racist motherfucker up there talking about that his dog wasn't barking and howling, but his dog was vocalizing. Oh, my God. And then he's not a racist. Why is he not a racist? Why is Mr. Snow not a racist? Because my grandfather, Jose Portillo, <laughs> right? He goes up there. He says, talk about his grandfather, Jose, Jose Portillo, Portillo, right? Used to use these kinds of racist terms, you know, casually. The motherfucker, we got the text or the email, one or the other actual records saying that he wished that he lived in Florida so he could have shot Alex. Shoot. So he could have done stand your own fucking ground. Okay? Sorry, I just swore. Now, this is so I'm just okay. saying, this all is, uh... I'm saying is there's a lot of circumstances that have come together to create a lie. And despite the brilliant, I'm talking brilliant, uh, evidence and, and arguments presented by these two amazing lawyers with a team that just doesn't quit, those jurors sat there and said no 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 to excessive force it's wrong it's wrong it's all the way dead wrong wow so this and i can't hold back anymore wow you 
that, I made a noise in the court. I'd make a face in the court. And once the bailiff's up on my ass, you know, like ready to kick me out. So I behaved and I sat all those days, all day long, nine to four, and I witnessed it. And those women, oh. five women, five white women, not even from San Francisco, conservative women, they were like definitely not feeling it. A. B. There was no African American on the court. There was no Latino on the fucking jury. Nada. Okay, so you had what looked like three people of color, one, I mean, who looked, you know, scared, essentially. And who knows, I mean, if we could have been inside the deliberation, what they went through, who knows what they would have went through, right? The kind of bullying, the kind of pressure they felt. All right, but but despite all of it, I mean, I'm telling you, witnesses getting up there and telling stories, big stories. Not only that, but who's the only person that saw what really happened? A musician, an African-American, I mean, a, 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 yeah, African-American musician in Afrolicious, in that band. And what did they do after he gave his testimony about how they shot him one, two, three times, fourth time he fell down to the floor and they just poured their rounds into the man? What did they do to him? The next day, they tore him up on the stand. They, they claim he's an alcoholic, that he has no friggin' memory, and they discredited his testimony. He has no reason to tell a lie up there or to have a fucking, you know, like, memory loss situation. He's actually a man who's been afraid for two years. He's afraid for two years to appear in court. Why? Because when he saw this shit, he thought they were coming for him. A, B, he done look in the eye of those cops that did that shit and he's been wow. fearing for his life all this time. And rumor has it that he's trying to leave the country now. Wow. And all I got to say to him, Antonio, don't leave. Don't give up on your shit. Don't. Wow. He's probably affalacious. I know uh, Diamond anyway. Affalacious. Well, this is amazing. Yeah, this is Diamond, amazing. Fresh, Socrates, all those brothers. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Shoot. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. He's one of us. I'm, I'm, in I'm other gonna, words, that's the one guy in the court. Man, those four oh. officers, those four officers, they have no shame. That attorney, she has no shame. They went up there and they literally, literally told some crazy ass story. Wow. You know what I mean? They just. It was unbelievable. There were so many times when we sat in that courtroom and went, oh, like that, because you just can't believe it. I'm telling you, you all, it's like the most amazing movie. You know what I mean? It's like fake, it's surreal, but it actually went down for real. So all I got to say is support the family of Alex Nieto. Because they ruled no excessive force, there's not going to be no pain and suffering. There's going to be no money for damages, nothing. no punitive damages, nothing. Wow. They didn't get nothing. Can anything happen now? Can there be, will there be appeals sent in? Dudes, the lawyers are on to Mario Woods now. You know what I'm saying? Okay, They're I know on that. to the next brother that was oh, shot God. down by the Popo. Wow. And what are those police going to do? Look, watch your back. Because I'm just saying, you're in the wrong place the wrong time. They're going to fire on your ass. They unloaded their clips. That's 13 fucking shots. And they paused and reloaded and shot some more. Well, I don't... He had his hands in his pockets. There's a bone in the pocket. 
Oh, and 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 girlfriend attorney. Well, she's start- like, she's like, oh, well, we don't know how there could have been a bone in the pocket. You know what I mean? Like, she's. Oh, I had people. I talked to people who were in the overflow room upstairs on the 18th floor who had no video, and they could feel her rapid fucking lying breathing because you breathe different when you lie. Wow. And I, here's a question, because since you listened to all this evidence, um, from what I understand, this this murder... Yes, exactly. ...happened... It, it, the shots were fired from a distance, right? How far away were the officers from Alex Nieto? Do we know? Do we, well, do we know? what we know is that, in co- according to a humane police practice they should not have rushed the space because he wasn't waving nothing he wasn't doing nothing radical out there he was just walking the witness another witness with a mutt said he was just a guy he was just a guy he was just a guy. I mean, listen, he was on his way to work. He goes to the hill two, three times a day. He was eating a burrito, and he was looking out at our magnificent, beautiful fucking city. He was looking out. He was taking space for himself. And what happened? Some racist fuck, some racist shit went down. And all I got to say is nobody interviews me. I am really, really thankful to be here, to be able to say something to, to more than, you know, my husband and my auntie and my whatever else. Anybody else who yeah. tolerate what I have to say. But all I have to say is you, you want to talk about how to fix this shit. People need to go to school and read some ethnic studies. Like go ahead and take a curriculum and read some stuff for a few years and think on it. Contemplate it. Read yourself some Cornell Wells. Read yourself some Bell Hooks. Read yourself some Angela Davis. Do something. You know what I mean? Like, educate yourself. Because there is no way a juror could 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 actually say, yes, that was excessive force against a white police officer and a white attorney because that is something that they cannot actually come up with in their own bodies because they don't have any kind of information. They just have the bullshit that's been brainwashing people all this time and why have we rolled back to the 50s why are we here doing why are we doing this you know the lawyers quoted to kill a mockingbird we're talking what gregory peck and sydney potier okay i'm just saying i'm done Alex Nito, Alejandro Nito, where we're conducting the show today. And here will be. Do you want to take us out? Amor y justicia por Alex Nieto. Amor y justicia para, para la mamá Elvira y el papá Refugio Nieto. Beautiful. Thank you. Hey, Thank you, Pearl. And we're, we're, you know, we're here for you. And happy, um, I mean, not happy that all this has happened, um, but glad to be a resource so we can let people know what's going on. Because this is a really significant trial. And it's really significant for our nation because of all the police violence against not only young, young men, but also women, uh, predominantly people who are not white, um, are, are getting the brunt of this, uh, you know, excessive police violence and, and just these policies that make it 
fall within their authority. Um, so I, I'm really disheartened to hear that uh, that's the way that this trial went here in San Francisco. And I, I do, uh, we want to send love to the Nieto family. They came out to uh, Poems Under the Dome last year when we were at City Hall uh, to be surrounded by community, have a community blessing. And I hope they know that they're loved and blessed by the community, um, even though this is a, this hor horrendous thing happened to them and their families. Um, so, hey Uber, give us a little segue. I believe we have a call there from Christina. Is that we right? We do, yeah. Okay, Uber, give us a little segue, nice. and we'll, we'll go right to Christina. Get that out there. That's a lot to sit through. You know, you're like a pincushion. Oh no, they've been sticking those pins. Oh hey, I just want to give a shout out to everybody, especially that family and all those people. And here we go. Walker with my baby, she got great big feet Long, lean, and lanky, ain't had nothing to eat But she my baby, and I love her just the same Crazy about that woman, cause Caldonia is a name Caldonia, Caldonia What makes your big head so hard? Oh, I love you, I love you just the same Crazy about that woman, cause Caldonia is a name used to tell me, watch out for that girl, cow, don't you? She gonna take all your money. But I was, she didn't know that I love that girl, cow, don't you know what I'm saying? So one more time. Cow, don't you? Cow, don't you? What makes your big head so hard? I love you. You know, I love you just the same. Crazy about that woman. Cause cow, don't you, is a name. Dun 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 to connect with all that negativity and, and create some diversions, because that's how I roll. Right on, Diamond D and Valerie, thanks. <laughs> right on, Ubi. Thank you. Because he'd be my son. Hey, Val, I believe we have on the phone all the way from uh, Colorado City, Utah, where, where Utah and Arizona meets. I'm talking about my sister, Christina. Christina, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Diamond Dave. Hi, and you've been listening to the show, too. Is that right? Yep, all the way from the first interview with uh, Hillary and the other two ladies running Oh, perfect. That's yes. what I like to hear because then, you know, context, they say, is everything. So, Christina, mm -hmm. talk a bit about, uh, I've mentioned a number of people that, uh, Christina, we met a little a short time ago when uh, when you called and said, I'm coming through, and we're talking about a project, we're talking about many things. So, Christina, we want to hear from you. Welcome to Mutiny Radio. 
Thank you. Um, I wish I could be there in person. You will be. Um, I, I have been, and I love Mutiny Radio. Um, it's a great place. And uh, I met I met Diamond Dave about three years ago, and uh, the first time I came to San Francisco, and I realized that here's a man um, who's part of a community that I really feel connected to and that I really wanted to uh, tell the story of. Um, I'm a storyteller, I'm a songwriter, and a poet, and a, a, a journalist. And um, I have always felt since the moment that I met Diamond Dave that his story was, was of great importance, not just to the people of San Francisco, um, uh, but also to people in this world who uh, have kind of are under the, the press of the disconnection that we're all experiencing people. Um, you know, always into their cell phones, on their head headphones. Um, and this is a time when connectivity is really important, and uh, Diamond Dave is a master of that. And so I feel, um, I, I felt for the last couple of years that uh, some kind of a book or some kind of a project or a series of essays, um, and it's, it'll all kind of emanate from that, uh, should be done. And when I came through last uh, couple weeks ago, we sat down in the Revolution Cafe, and uh, Diamond Dave agreed to work with me and collaborate on a, uh, a book project and a, uh, a some internet multimedia projects as well as uh, some essays that I'll be putting on a blog, photo uh, photographs as well. Um, and so it's going to be a story of his life, the oh life goodness. of Diamond Dave, and uh, and the times, life and times, <laughs> as we talked about. Um, but also the story of um, it has to be the story of San Francisco also because that's, you know, that's the setting, that's the context and uh, his work that he's done there. Um, so I, it's a big, big project and a big, uh, big learning curve, but I'm having a fantastic time talking to him every day um, as we're working through trying to get a larger picture of what it's going to look like and uh, how it's going to roll out onto the red carpet eventually. That's really cool, Christina. Um, you know, of course, there's lots of people who kind of come through. They'll make like a little like, a, you know, a little school project about Diamond Dave and stuff. Mm-hmm. But everyone always says somebody needs to write a book about Diamond Dave. And when I was talking to Dave um, this week, you know, getting ready for today's show, um, he was saying that he really felt the connection with you and that you're asking some really awesome questions um as uh, kind of as he he rolls on with um a lot of the hipstery that he that he has to share so what are some of those questions that you've asked diamond dave um that is in itself a great question because uh as you know as you just said like there have been a lot of small projects and pieces on him and that's kind of where i've started is reviewing that and he told me at one point that he has a lot of experience as a subject and that is definitely true um i've read a lot of articles seen videos um of him and other people looking at him and uh i and a lot of the same questions are asked people ask about bob dylan people ask about um alan ginsburg and these other people that he's connected to but um as i get deeper into the, into this and and uh asking some of these questions I, i'm asking about his work as a bike messenger um that's what we talked about this morning um, I've asked about some of his family history. Um, uh, I, I did not know this, and I think this is um, probably not that widely known, but he is actually descended from Ethan Allen of the Green Mountain Men, the, the Vermont uh, Mountain Clan, um, which is really interesting to me. Um, 
And some other questions I've asked him have concerned uh, his involvement with the diggers in the 60s when um, during the Summer of Love and the free store uh, that was on Kate Ashbury, um, which I found that in a couple of places, but I want to get more into that. Um, and his uh, involvement in the kibbutz in Israel, um, there's just so much here. I mean, anybody who is uh, who has reached the you know venerable age of 78 is going to have a lot of stories to tell, um, and Diamond Dave more so than a lot of people. Um, but we're we're just getting into it. Um, I'm just starting to kind of see that the rich texture of this man's life, and I'm oh really goodness. excited to to keep going with this. Oh, Christina. Yes. I I feel humble, but yet amazed by all this. What do you think, Val? Well, yeah. I mean, we've just been talking about you know, there's there's it's there's so much that you could touch upon. Um, one kind of one of my favorite eras of Diamond Dave's life that uh, we haven't explored too much on this show, but actually had a um, a student. Uh, who was here in San Francisco studying English. She's from the Ukraine, but she's a public radio uh, journalist in, in the Ukraine. And um, and she was here, and she wanted to interview Diamond Dave. And we got into the the era of when he went to Europe. But right before he went to Europe, he had you know had all these connections here in San Francisco to all the beats, and then was over in Europe, and then found them in a Paris hotel, you know, and and kind of uh, oh, was connecting cool. those dots. <laughs> and in fact, uh, uh, in the next hour, we have a guy uh, who's oh uh, tomorrow is uh, by, uh, is Jack Kerouac's birthday, and of course he was a friend of mine way back then, 1957, and he's coming in here. He's going to do a, a performance piece from Jack from uh, Jack Kerouac's Dharma Bombs. Uh, about the famous Ellen Ginsberg reading at the Sixth Gallery, because tomorrow, hey Val, hey Christina, tomorrow is Jack Kerouac's birthday at the Beat Museum, and we're playing there. We can find them uh, online, and he's playing right there with a band that I know. And I was the MC for the 21st. I know this is a bit much. The 21st anniversary of uh, Woodstock at the original site, and they played there because they're from Woodstock, and they're called the Dharma Bums. And they're here from Sarah. They're here from Woodstock to play. Uh, they're here to play. They're here to play. So they're going to be. We're going to. If you can find them online, that would be really great. That's the Dharma Bombs. But meanwhile, here at Christina, so I'm. So I can hardly wait to see you and have you here in the studio, and we can talk about it live and in the flesh. Because I'm going to walk you around and take you to some of those, some of those walks that I did down through the decades, North Beach in the 50s, uh, the 8th Street in the fifth in the 60s. But here we are. So Christina, looking forward to it. The past shakes hands into the future. Oh, before oh here and we here here we have as a segue. There the outliners are there. But before you come on as a segue, here be Christina, uh, Christina on her singer songwriter side is going to take us out. You have that queued up, do you not, Val? Yeah. Here they go. And the out the outliners are here. You're about to come on. So take yeah. There's uh, brother Spellbinder. There and the Spellbinders they're, they're are hold, here holding be, it down. Holding it down. Meanwhile, you'll be Christina, and then we'll go live to the Spellbinders. Is that okay? It is.
All right, that was some music from Christina Osborne, who's writing the book about Diamond Dave's life. And sorry, Christina, during that first part of your song, there was another track of like some kind of like house techno that was playing in the background, and I, it was kind of an interesting mix. And then I realized, oh wait a second, I think there's something going on. But um, yeah, so Christina, we look forward to having you back here in Mutiny Radio to talk more about the book project you're doing about Diamond Dave. And if you liked her music, of course, the second part that wasn't mixed with some house. Um, check out her her music site christinaosborne.bandcamp.com and we're here you're listening to the Common Thread Collective on Mutiny Radio and we are at Mutiny Radio at the corner 21st in Florida as we are every Friday uh, starting at 3 o'clock this is a community space community open mic and up at the up on the stage, I see uh, some friends who've returned to us. We've got the from the band Brother Spellbinder, I believe. Uh, yes. We're going to play us, uh, what, three songs, I guess? I guess so. Well, however if, many if we you've can. Got them. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, we are Brother Spellbinder and uh, playing a ukulele and guitar here and harmonica. And our first song is called Sarah. And uh, it's based on some people I've known. All right, ready?
Glad to have you guys here. You bring the peaceful, necessary energy that we need and all the love, taking us all the way back and taking us all the way forward. Because as I say, the past shakes hands with the future through the now. Give us another couple of songs, will you, brother? Will you, sister? Oh, absolutely. We have more for you. And, uh, I just want to say if uh, Dharma bums are listening, hello. They're actually good friends of ours. Yeah. My mom lives in Woodstock. So I get there now and then. All right, uh, this next song is called Gone Astray. It's an old song of mine that I rewrote for ukulele. So there are many versions of this song. There's an electronica version of this song. The sort of country western version of this song. And now a uke version. Okay, I think I'm tuned up.
guys so beautiful. Your voice. Give us one more, will you, sister? One more, yes. Oh, and she's taking her monocle. Something where I just You'll be doing it. Okay. Brother Spellbinder. Really? Well, now she's really gonna rock out. She's ready to roll. Look at her. I can feel your it's energy. Too? Energy. Okay. Russian is my second language. I'm not very happy with Russia right now. And. Uh, but this is an old song. It's an old folk song um, from World War II. It's actually a very, you know, patriotic song. But yeah, we do. We're actually playing St. Patrick's Day at Java Beach. We'll be throwing in some Irish music into the mix, so that should be fun. Hopefully, the next map. We got to get on board with that and the mission. Um, I think the next map for all of you who go are. I think it's the first Saturday of the month, so it'll be April second. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we've got the library and, um, lady here who's uh, involved in that. June 5th, Folkish Fest in Marin. That's it? Yeah. Okay. This is a Russian song. Russian people, please change. That's all I've got to say. There are a lot of oppressive things happening there right now. All right. Ready? Raz, dva, tri, chichiri. Rasvitali yableni grushi paplili tumani nadrakoi. We had ilana berikotusha na vusoki berigna krutoi. We had ilana berikotusha na vusoki berigna krutoi. We had Песну заводила про Степного Сизова Орла, про того, которого любила, про того, чьи письма берегла, про того, которого любила, про того, чьи письма берегла. Ой, ты песня, песенка девичья, ты лети за ясным солнцем след, и бойцу на дальнем погранище от Катюши передай привет, и бойцу на дальнем погранище от Катюши передай привет. Слышит девушку простую, пусть услышит, как она поет. Пусть он землю бережет родную, а любовь Катюша сбережет. Пусть он землю бережет родную, а любовь Катюша сбережет. Расцветали яблони и груши. We had a lot of Katyusha, now we're 
крутой Выходила на берег Катюша На высокий берег на крутой Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Keep coming back, sister, brother. Yeah, brother Spellbinder. That's a, that was a lot of fun. That was cool. They, they, they make a lot of fun with them, and it reminds me to say Shabbat Shalom, everybody. And here they'd be, and now we're, and now, hey, now, hey, now we have Allison. Here you be. They had mentioned, uh, they had mentioned a map, and you're here to, here to mention map, so take it away, sister. Hi there. Everybody, um, in honor of International Poetry Month, Saturday, April second, right. Mission Arts and Performance Project will be doing its thing again. Map. It's always the first Saturday every two months. That's right, and it happens so to be National Poetry month, month. The first Saturday. So this time it'll be April second. And the library will once again host sidewalk poetry performance. Oh. We have a little plaza at 300 Bartlett, which is 24th and Bartlett in the Mission. We'd like to help support MAP and maybe Mutiny Radio also. It could be that I can talk Diamond Dave into coming by well, of course and say I will. a few words about Mutiny well. Radio. And do some poetry. Do some poetry. Maybe Val talk well. a little bit about the neighborhood and talk about Mutiny Radio. Um, it's 2 to 4 p.m. The map itself has been going for many years. It has somewhere between 8 and 15 venues on any given second Saturday or any given first Saturday and it runs all day and sometimes late into the night anybody who's interested in MAP can come to the next meeting at 7pm it's on Harrison 2754 Harrison usually with David Kubrin Jorge Molina and other organizers. If Rafael Saria is in the neighborhood, he often will come as well. And he's a great contact at through Red Poppy Art House, which innovated this wonderful, ongoing, ever-growing, ever-evolving, ever-changing, creative event in the mission. And also, of course, it's a good time to say it. Hey, Val, Yo. National Poetry Month, right which may corner. or may not have started would, because the only April I know is T.S. Eliot saying April is the cruelest month, and this happens to be National Poetry Month, where there's a connection, I don't know, but we're, but poetry, like the blues, is meant to mean, make, mean the cruel, because there's nothing like the blues to make you feel better. And there may be a connection, I don't know, T.S. Eliot, but what's going to happen? Cut to the chase once again, Diamond Day, blah, 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 enough of that. And what's going to be happening for National Poetry Month that we're also connected with, Val? That's going to be the 11th annual Poems 11th Under the annual. Dome at San Francisco City Hall, inside San Francisco City Hall in the North Light Court. Um, we'll be uh, gathering to celebrate National Poetry Month. 
that. It's a Thursday, April 28th. So it'll be towards the end of the month. It starts at 5.30 p.m. and it goes until 8 o'clock sharp, at which time we must vacate the premises. However, um, it's a really impactful couple of hours, uh, two and a half hours of of community poetry, open mic. So uh, the way you can uh, come and be a part of it is just to show up. And if you want to read a poem, it could be one that you've written or it's some some old favorite of yours that you feel uh, the need that you'd like to share. You just go into uh, the North Light Court. It's just off to the right of the, just north of the rotunda, uh, the, the big internal staircase. Um, and uh, put your name in the hat in the back of the room. There'll be a big, uh, probably a big green hat that Richard Ivanhoe will bring. Put your name in there and we'll pull your name. And if we pull your name, you get a chance to read one poem in three minutes or less. And that's all that we ask in terms of uh, limiting your, your time. And usually we have a pre... Oh. oh, I'm sorry, Dave. I forgot one little detail. If people want to sign up for the library poetry event April 2nd, you can talk to me, Allison B. at Mission Library. I'm there Saturdays and Sundays. 355-2800 is the number to call me. Or meet me at the next MAP meeting, March 14th. 2754 Harrison, 7 p.m. Thank you. Thanks, Just by coming. And to go back a bit, what was I going to say? And there's usually a, uh, a pre party, what, or what do you call A reception. That's the word I'm searching for, and there's all these words that's right in my head. A reception in John Avalos's office uh, before, where we do have music sometimes, and uh, where I do have, so I'm connected to John Avalos to make that happen, where we can get together and then have that procession. Is this right, Val? That procession down those steps as, uh, from the second floor to the first floor at City Hall. And then our brother Jorge Molina does this uh, four direction ceremony, which reverberates, which rocks the whole City Hall. Is all that right, right Val? Yes, it is, Dave. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. And so by all means, we'll be talking about it. That's the 28th of April, of, uh, April National Poetry Month. And now, hey, Richard, what do you got going? So good to see you, brother. Always good to see can you I, here. I can move. I can actually move it. Oh, that's so wonderful. I know. Yeah, we have these new mic stands yeah. that make it a hell of a lot uh, easier. Thank you. Uh, right. Thank uh, you. Okay, take well, it in, uh, brother. I just uh, I want to make an announcement first. Uh, um uh, I know people in the po uh, poet community know Kim Shuck. Uh, we're, uh, there's a committee uh, who's trying to push uh, Kim Shuck for Port Laureate of the city. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> I, we're not clear how the process is working, but it sounds like if you can get down to your local library and pick up a form of nominating the Poet Laureate, in fact, I have a library person here, uh, uh, and fill the form of up at any branch. Yeah. And, uh, Interesting. And, uh, if, you know, you can, uh, uh, if you know her, then you, you know pretty much what uh, what to put down. But uh, Kim has uh, lived here five generations in the same house. She's a Cherokee native uh, who always remembers that she lives on Ohlone land and uh, has done a lot of uh, poetry things with children. Uh, I don't know the whole things of everything because she's, I've known her now personally for about eight months, uh, but I've known of her for a long time. Uh, so I need to built my resume up on her too. But, but uh, and if you know any, any more, please, please mention it. But uh, anyway, we are pushing it for, uh, it's time we have a, a woman, time to have a native woman. Uh, and, um, and she's got the energy to do a lot of good things. Uh, so anyway, 
Um, yeah, well, and she writes a lot of. She's recently she's been writing a lot of poetic uh, love poems to San Francisco. Yeah. So it seems fitting that someone who has such a love for San Francisco and is also a prolific poet um, be the person to hold that post of poet laureate for the that two year post, and it's kind of a lifetime uh, 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 title. <laughs> I think you're yeah. oh, once a poet laureate, you're always a poet laureate, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Last time I saw Kim, she said some wonderful things about spending her childhood at the, at library. the library. So yeah. she's very literary, and she also knows a lot of history. She was one of the performers at our recent commemoration for the life of John Trudell. Also a reader last week at the event at uh, the Beat Museum. So Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to read with Kim Shuck um, last week. That was a really fun show. Um, I want to thank Justice Sweet or Justice Morgan for curating that, that lineup of all women poets uh, to celebrate International Women's Day. That was really cool. Really it was fun. a literary earthquake unto <laughs> itself. It was amazing. And one of those poets is a librarian. E.K. That's yeah. right. E.K. Keith. And she, she's a librarian in the, in the public school system here. And she's really the, um, the, you know, she's really the one, the mover and shaker, primary organizer of Poems in the Dome. I help her out. Um, of course, Dave, um, you know, makes the rounds at City Hall and uh, gets everybody excited about it. But it really, E.K. is the, is the, sil- the, the not silent, but uh, the, 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 really the person who makes it all happen every year. Um, and it's such a great thing to, to have um, public space in our public buildings for poetry. Uh, also, Kim has a read on the second Sunday of every month now down at, uh, um, at Modern Times, starts at 4 o'clock. And I think that's going to be one of the big reads uh, that's taking place down in the Mission. Um, so uh, it's only the second, uh, this will be the third time she's had it. There's an open mic afterwards. There are going to, oh, Cesar Love is going to be the uh, feature. So, um, yeah, uh, if you don't know about her, you certainly can find her there and learn more about her there as well. Uh, one more thing. Um, it seems like we're saying goodbye to a lot of people lately. Uh, I understand Pagan Neal, if anybody out there remembers Pagan Neal. Yeah. Uh, he has passed uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, I only I got to see him twice, and uh, he he told this wonderful story, and I, w- I hope it, somehow I can get it in print. And it's about how uh, pagan, uh, being a pagan, uh, and uh, uh, I believe it was a Muslim, might have been a Jewish person. You know, it was a mix of people. Uh, and this is back uh, back in the day. And so he's telling this little story about all the banter they were having. It's a great and funny story. But the but the whole point of the thing was is they were trying to get to the San Rafael Richmond Bridge. And so at the end of all this storytelling, he's talking about how they, their banter was. He said, see, you can have all these differences and we can still get across the San Rafael Bridge. <laughs> that, that's a fantastic message. And yeah, Pagan Neal, I remember him from uh, Golden Gate Park, uh, certain, you know, different festivals happening out in Golden Gate Park. And he would just go out there and he had this sign and it was, you yeah. know, he was like a bard and, yeah. and it said poetry. Oh, I, I, got a, right? I got a picture of it. Right. And he would stand there and he would uh, recite poetry and, and let people come up and, and say hello and things like that. Um, but yeah, he, he uh, his... Yeah, he was a strong, a strong spirit, and um, we're sad, we're sad to to see him go. But well, I hope that he's uh, floating in etherical, bl- in etheric bliss, 
wherever he may, wherever that, what may happened. We'll find out sooner for some, later. later for others. But here right. I be, as you see, and of course, finding those, this be the Common Thread Collective, and you were just talking about the finding the Common Thread with Richmond as you approach that bridge, right. with, with Pagan as you approach that bridge. So what do you have today? We got Joyce uh, Lynn. Oh. They're getting ready, but no, no, you're going to go ahead. Go okay. ahead, and we have... Uh, Coyote Wonders. <clears throat> Coyote Citizen Cafe, Two-legged are involved in their devices. Students, workers, writers, tech heads. Some check each other out the side of their eyes, while others are zoned. There is much activity among the silence. A homeless man comes and rants poetically how he sees things, when he, and when he leaves, no one except one listened. It is Coyote who gives his ear, wonders who are the crazy ones. The ones who are silent are the ones who rant and rave. A couple comes in the cafe doing a tango. Heads rise and a couple makes its rounds of the cafe and tangles back out. Heads go back to the devices. No comment made. Coyote gives a howl of approval and wonders how the two-legged became so dulled. Coyote wonders, do these two-legged really care for each other or do they just go through the motions? Such mu so much activity among the silenced. So much activity amongst the silenced. Oh, well, I know. You got another for us. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. White privilege. It's late 1969. Well, of course, we didn't have, we didn't call it white privilege back then, so I can't blame it. Was, it was first called white skin privilege. Yeah, that's what And that, that came out white. of from SDS. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the Weather Underground <clears throat> used to talk about white skin privilege. Yeah. And that was the first in order for white people really, really to lose that. They had to get involved and join the Weather Underground well, and go underground. But this was a different yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It was a different time. I was there, still here now. Yep. It was a time when it would seem like we're about to go into a period of prolonged guerrilla warfare. We had the SLA, the Weather Underground, the Sabata Contingent, oh, the, the Jonathan, Bell, the Black Liberation Army. Oh, we could go on, but anyway, there's different times. All the history. Hipstery, I call that. <laughs> yeah. Take it away, All right. brother. All right. Uh, in late 1969 or early 70, I'm working at J.C. Penney's as a stock person in the basement. This is a place where prices are cheaper as most of the merchandise. One day, these ugly gold-colored Levi's would sell for $7.99, and the next day, two for 11 and another day, they'd be another price. I worked with two brothers. We talked mostly about politics in the day, civil rights, the war, native struggle. We would never really disagree. Over the years, I forgot why we ever raised our voices, or even if we really disagreed, except maybe we wanted other people to hear. Never afraid of the other, I loved these talks. These are my brothers. We, we, I was talking with, excuse me, I was talking with. Uh, once during contact, contract negotiations, the union was asking for a 50 cent increase, which would then mostly give us 25 cents. We asked for a dollar and we might get that 50 cents. Talk about getting booed from the front and back. One day, while on the floor, we were loud, and the manager on the floor, incapable and ineffectual as a human being, went into a rage. He evidently had it. He immediately and without hesitation ordered the two brothers off the floor and up to the personnel department. He then ordered me back onto the floor. Does something not feel right about this story? If not, you are a victim of white privilege. 
My reaction to the manager is that he's a racist. He was going to have them fired, but my white skin saved me from this fate. I immediately called him on his racism, which also got me sent up to the personnel office where, uh, office where we, were we were all fired. The union got us unemployment. White privilege saved me, but I don't believe in privilege just because the color of my skin. My goodness. Wowzy, brother. Well, here we are. We're working on it. It's part and parcel of who we are and what we're about. Is fight, is, and uh, anyway, I've well, certainly see, been see, through the only it. Way, the only way we can fight this, you know, uh, Diamond Dave, is we have to stand up. Together. Yes. You know, if, if we see something like this, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to have this in my heart when I was even a kid. and Maybe somebody taught me, but I always had that. So when I see that, I couldn't stand by and just say, okay, well, I'm going to go back to work now. Right. No. I mean, I saw all the civil rights movement. I saw how black people were being treated. I wasn't going to stand for it in my life. So if that's what your lives are about, sometimes you have to stand up. That's why I'm somewhat pissed off at my veteran brothers. Because, look, it, I made a decision once I went to Vietnam and I came back that I was not going to go back. I was not going to go back because I knew what the deal was. And so I, I, something happened. I took the opportunity. But when I explained it to my brothers what was going on, none of them would have it. They would still go back and fight and kill Vietnamese. And I, and, well, because they were afraid that they wouldn't get a job at a bank or work for the government. I said, you're working for the government now. Yeah. And guess who wound up getting a government job? I did. And I got the undesirable. And I was, of course, on Hate Street throughout that whole time. And we were, uh, we were bringing about that weather, that underground that was, that was with AWOLs. Draft Dodgers, who would appear on 8th Street, and we'd worked out yep. this circuit of communes, the Rainbow Commune, the circuit from here to the Canadian border, and we were, we were, I'm not going to Vietnam, well, we'll get you out there and up there, and that was where I was, and of course, having seven mixed children, growing up in the Fillmore, you just met my oldest son, Ubi, yep, who's 50 years old, we have about half a century, and a great-grandfather, so raising seven, raising seven mixed black and white children was a good way to help erase your your white skin privilege for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like with sandpaper in the Fillmore as part of being called being named Diamond Dave by the Black Panthers. We're the first ones to call me Diamond Dave. So here we are. And here... I'm, I'm, it's time to move on to someone else. Okay, All right. we got but, uh, and we're gonna and and we thank you so and much. And, and I want to thank, you, yeah. And I want to thank Richard because I just, I just you know, I, sometimes I I have to say these things because there's young people out here, and uh, you know I don't know what kind of guidance they really have. You know we are the elders, but they don't come to us, so we have to sort of go to them. And I hope they hear what we're saying because because uh, you know it's it's that connection. We have a connection to all you young people. And you old people, we're yes. all connected, that common thread. You hear it out there? <laughs> yes. it's you hear it out there? Hey, come on, you people. You can't see us, but they can hear us. <laughs> and I want to make sure that we that we note and, and thank Richard. One of the reasons why people are able to hear us is because of your kind donation. We have two new microphones, two new mic stands in here, five new cables. So uh, that's keeping us going for sure. Thank you for being part of the community and adding your voice and uh and and then some so out there in the studio i think is it is it jocelyn rose have i been so have i've been informed correctly or yeah all right so welcome and then we got cricket who's going to come up for the second song i think i'm right 
And cricket is an old timer here. It's so good. It's part of our role. <laughs> Justin, I'm so anxious to hear you. So, and of course, we <laughs> met the great spirit brothers together somewhere. And I said, uh, come on down and uh, join us. Is that right, Jocelyn? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you for it having is. me here. It is. It's my first time here, so I'm excited to be a part of this um, wonderful gathering. So I've been writing songs for about uh, six years. And um, this one's called I Am Light, I Am Love. don't feel the same as the ones I've had before each day I wake up happy and I'm smiling out the door I used to be obsessive trying to know who I was I used to be so hateful but now I'm filled with love I am growing every day I'm not the girl I was before, I have really changed. I am light, I am love. I am birds and trees and honeybees, roses, oceans, streets and streams. I've wasted too much time being mad at myself But now I can say that my mind is somewhere else It's somewhere cosmic, beautiful and bright The world is waiting, babe let's leave tonight Jocelyn. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your positive, loving message. <laughs> you have another song? That you, oh, uh, Cricket's coming up to play with you? Awesome. I love how Dave called him an old timer. <laughs> it's just that he's been here uh, uh, over the years. 
So glad to have you all here. And if you're out there listening, you're listening to the Common Thread Collective on MutinyRadio.fm. You know that you're listening to Mutiny Radio. Um, but we're here at 21st in Florida every yes. Friday for <laughs> the Common you. Thread Collective, starting at 3 o'clock till 545. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Hi. Um, so I have a concert on April 17th at the Milk Bar on Haight Street, if you guys are interested in coming and seeing more of my songs. I also have a band camp. It's jocelynrose.bandcamp.com. Nice. And um, so now I'm going to be playing a song called I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. Yeah, happy uh, Women's women's Month. (laughs) I have my friend Cricket joining me on guitar. Talking to you Go, 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 and I didn't take it, no, I didn't. 
was really great that was lovely what a great day here on the common thread collective so happy you're all here thanks for coming through to play and you please come back you're welcome anytime uh we'd love to hear more and like you said uh earlier you said you have a band camp um site right jocelynrose.bandcamp.com yeah uh, that's it jocelynrose.bandcamp.com i also have a youtube dot com slash Jocelyn Rose music and I put up covers of me playing songs that just make me happy. I don't really care about what uh, comes out of it except that I'm happy and I put it out there. So if you, if you want to check that out, go ahead and thank you again. Word. Well, you're welcome here anytime. So I just want to make sure Jocelyn is J-O-C-E-L-Y-N? Yes. Rose. <laughs> R-O-S-E. As we get closer, as, I, as Val said, you. you're always welcome. As we get closer to your concert at the Milk Bar, please come on through and let people know that you're there. To say you, well, Then I could say you hear her and you want to see her in the flesh, just walk up Hate Street <laughs> to the Milk Bar and there you'll be. Is that right? Yep, April 17th. Cricket, oh. are you going to be backing her up there as well? Huh? You going to be backing <laughs> her up there as well? Uh, Maybe. Who, who knows? We'll Plug see. Ed we'll Fred. see. And what time is that show on the 17th? Is it? Uh, so it starts at 8, and there's going to be three other bands playing. So 8 o'clock at the Milk Bar. Right yeah. on. That's April 17th, not not March. We're in the month of March. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Very pretty. Very pretty music. Uh, add such... such um, I love the diversity of voices here, but I love that the messages come through, and uh, it's nice to be able to shed light. Um, but I think we're about to go into a more serious place and uh, explore some slightly darker corners of, uh, of uh, our creative side here at Mutiny Radio. So up at the microphone and on the piano. So if everybody could tune in. Hello. Hello, you guys. <laughs> Hello, members. We're live on the radio, heard around the planet. This is not a cocktail party. This be a planetary oh, oh. internet radio show. But hey, hey. Why don't you go out there, Dave? I am gonna go out there. That's all right. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. I know it gets so ex- it gets exciting in here, but we've got a uh, our next performer up at the microphone. We've got James Conrad and, and uh, there there we go. I'll just turn on Bloodflower's mic. Okay, everyone's settled then. Can you... Okay, cool. Hi, folks. I'm James Conrad, and I got Bloodflower at the piano. And we are going to continue with Zero Clean's House. Since there was no show last week, I'm going to be doing a double feature, and I will start with episode 58 
of Zurdo Cleans House. On July 1st, 2011, Zurdo called Michael Kerr to take him up on his offer. A short time afterward, Michael arrived in a shiny, well-kept, cherry-red 1966 Ford Mustang, and they went to a restaurant in downtown San Jose near the convention center. Michael ordered a cheeseburger and an ale, while Zurdo ordered a plate of french fries, a black bean soup, and an orange juice. After they finished eating, they ordered another round of drinks, same as before. Here's to forgiveness, said Michael, raising his glass. Salud, said Zurdo, with a small smile but a flat voice. You know, I wanted to say when I saw that thing on the TV about you being innocent, it made me wish I'd never been a cop. Yeah, said Zurdo, sipping his juice. That why you resigned? Yeah, pretty much, said Michael. My conscience was bothering me like a motherfucker. It still does. Mmm, said Zurdo, narrowing his eyes and smiling with only his mouth. You shouldn't be so hard on yourself. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Hell, in a matter of months, I'm not even going to be here anymore. Well, life is short, said Michael with a nervous smile. You gotta think positive, right? Zurdo laughed a little to himself. <laughs> yeah, man, he said. Exactly. Michael turned his gaze towards Zurdo, wrinkling his brow in discomfort. Did I miss something, he asked. Zurdo sighed, still smiling. Nah, man, it's all good, he said. He raised his glass in a toast. Here's to doing the things you dream of doing while you are still alive. And now we have episode 59 of Zurdo Clean's House. After Michael paid the check, he and Zurdo left the restaurant and walked to a nearby bar. Michael ordered beer after beer, every now and again throwing back a shot of bourbon. Zurdo sat there, not saying much, keeping his expression flat, even though he had no interest in the things of which Michael spoke. His divorce, how his kids didn't trust him or his new girlfriend, his new house in Santa Clara, his cherry-red 1966 Ford Mustang. By a quarter to one, Michael was slurring his words and his eyelids were sagging as he slouched on the bar stool. At last call, Zurdo gave him a friendly cuff on the shoulder. Come on, man, he said. We should probably get going. Yeah, said Michael with a belch. He fumbled around in his pockets for his keys until he found them and then handed them to Zordo. Here, he said. You drive. I'm too fucked up. All right, said Zordo. Where do you live? Uh, 2446 Warburton Avenue in Santa Clara. Okay, said Zordo. First, we got to stop at Walmart so I can get a couple things. I'll fill your tank on the way to your house, too. Is that all right? Yeah, it's not a problem, thanks. Cool man, said Zordo. Just then, he received a text message from Casey. Did you want to go to the beach tonight? Zordo replied, sure. Meet me at the corner of Warburton and Lane in Santa Clara. Casey texted again. Okay, when are you coming? Zordo texted him back. Should be there within an hour. We'll text when close. If you get there before me, just wait. Casey replied, okay. As soon as Zordo pulled onto the highway, Michael groped around until he found the lever to recline his seat backward and pulled it. Once he was comfortable, he took a couple somewhat labored deep breaths and nodded off to sleep as Zordo snuck a quick glance at him, lighting up his face with a small but sly and malicious grin. At Walmart, Zordo bought a gasoline container and a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, paying with cash. 
He then drove to a nearby gas station to fuel Michael's car, fill up the gasoline cannon, pick up a pack of matches, a lighter, and a book of... Pick, pick up the gasoline... Pick up a, a pack of cigarettes, a lighter, and a book of matches. As he walked toward the car after paying the clerk, he received a text from Casey. I'm here. He fired back a reply. Okay, I'll be there in a half hour or so. After he set the gas can on the back seat, he climbed behind the wheel, started the car, and found the nearest entrance to Highway 101 and headed straight for Santa Clara, making it there in just over 15 minutes. Zurdo pulled into Michael's driveway with Michael slumped over in the front passenger seat, passed out drunk. Moving his gaze above the windshield and across the dashboard, Zurdo found the remote control to open the garage door, velcroed to, to the dashboard. Zurdo found the remote control to open the garage door, velcroed to the dashboard just to the right of the steering wheel, just above the radio. He tore it off, then pressed the button. As the garage door panels began to move with a rattling electric hum, Michael stirred, lifted his head long enough to blink his eyes a few times, then sighed and do dozed off once more. Once the door was open, Zurdo eased Michael's Mustang inside the garage, pushed the button again, closing the door, shut off the engine, and pocketed the keys. He opened the door, stepped outside, grabbed the gas can from the back of the car, climbed into the driver's seat, opened the can, doused Michael with fuel, took the lighter he'd bought at the gas station from his pocket, slid it into Michael's hand, wrapped his fingers around it, then shut the car door. He then went over to the back of the garage, saw the door to the kitchen, and tried to open it, finding it locked. Digging Michael's key ring out of his pocket, he tried bo both of Michael's house keys, opening the door on his second attempt. After he stepped inside the kitchen, he closed the door behind him, lit a cigarette, took a couple tiny puffs, only drawing the smoke into his mouth, then took the matches from his pocket and wrapped the book of matches around the burning cigarette. Next, he went inside the garage, shutting the door to the kitchen as he clicked the garage door open. He then opened the passenger side door of Michael's car, set the makeshift fuse on the floor of the front seat, slammed the door shut, pussyfooted out of the garage, clicked the remote to close the door, tossed it back inside the garage, and jogged east on Warburton Avenue until he heard the staccato honk of a car horn. Looking ahead, he saw the taillights of Casey's van glow bright red as the engine roared to life. As soon as Zordo had made it to the van, Casey unlocked the door. After he climbed inside and buckled his seatbelt, he took his rosary from his pocket, crossed himself, closed his eyes, and prayed as Casey stepped on the gas, heading for Interstate 880 via the Camino Real. Tune in next week for episode 60 of Zordo Cleans House. Tough shit, Richard. And give it up for Bloodflow on the piano. Uh, Zurdo Cleans House is available on Amazon.com. And uh, for those of you who are interested in lending your support to Mutiny Radio to, uh, you know, keep the uh, place uh, going and, you know, keep, keep us bringing you such uh, wonderful programming, if you're interested in supporting Mutiny Radio, feel free to send a check or money order for a dollar or more made out to Mutiny Radio. And the address is Mutiny Radio. 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California, 94110. Once again, that address is Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street, San Francisco, California, 94110. Thank you very much, and I'll uh, see you next week with more Zordo Cleans House. Yeah.
So cool. Thanks, James Conrad. Thank you, Bloodflower. Hey, Val, why don't you put some music on? Because we got this young brother who I ran into Hate Street who's on that journey of uh, that journey oh, that journey with guitar in hand riding around the country hitchhiking around the country riding freight trains to go on the country on that journey that's been led for so many generations and I'm talking about my brother Malachi so let's put some music on while Malachi gets ready is that okay? right on you're listening to the Common Thread Collective in the Emperor's old clothes mirror on the wall who's fairest one of all Seeking respect in threads, some status heads. A dandelion wanting to be a rose, as old thought dark ages reemerge, hidden behind the glow on neon light. Alien thoughts dressing civilized. The day burns while the night cries for someone to remember, someone to remember. Self-worth thieves, stealing through the ages. Ultimate space race, Star Wars soup lines. Tribes in flight, brother, sister, gender combat, mechanical motion, spoiling for a fight, all dressed up in the emperor's old clothes, space race fantasy, grooming dark thoughts, at some point there's no point, always there's a choice about going through it. Go for it, friend. These songs of the road got me living life like a rolling stone. Yeah, I've been down this highway too many times. But you know it's just my way of staying alive. Got these highways.
it's there It burns my thoughts like rising smoke Summer's breeze then floats away on open seas. guys. Hey. That was Malachi. Hey, Malachi. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you found our way. No, Dave, Dave, we're going to, yeah, we're going on to. Uh, so glad you made your way out here to uh, Mutiny Radio, and I uh, hope, hope we'll see you again. Come back. Uh, we love all the, everybody who comes through. It's a, we wouldn't happen without you. Um, so thanks so much for everybody coming through to the Common Thread Collective and uh, adding, uh, putting in what you've got to, to contribute to this big picture. Uh, and I think up... Uh, up one, of, one of those I call the young uh, Bob Dylan. Getting started on that road. Getting those, uh, getting those, getting the things you have to go through to toughen yourself, to harden you up, to cast a wide net, and sing about what the world is about. Hey, Malachi, you hear me? <laughs> I think if he does, I'll tell him a bit. Now we got Jeffrey. As I said earlier, I think I did. You did. Tomorrow's Jack Kerouac's Jack birthday. Jack Kerouac's birthday. And just for the fact, being this old timer that you hear, the guy who's been here for many generations, a multi generational kind of dude, an old asshole, multi generation kind of dude. Uh, I, won't, I won't take that farther. I happen to be a no Jack Kerouac, Neil Cassidy. Those for that generation, most of them gone to the sky. No, most, of them, most, most of them gone to the sky, but I'm still be here carrying this old asshole around. Ho, ho, ho. I still be here, and I got good memories of Kerouac the back day. then. He used to come down. This uh, I got there in '57, which is what a year and a year or so uh, after. Uh, in the Dharma bombs, they talk about that now famous, legendary reading that Ellen Ginsberg uh, did at the Sixth Gallery. Right, Jeffrey? Uh, yes. And that was 55, 56, but it was still happening. It was still, I still heard about it. I did go to readings at the Sixth Gallery, which was right there in Fillmore. Uh, right there in Fillmore, we'll talk a bit, a bit, we'll take a bit, what are we talk about now. And I remember, I have good memories of Kerouac and the other members who were reading that day. Was Jeffrey, is this right, Jeffrey? We had Michael McClure. Um, yes. Michael McClure, who, who else? Who's with Ellen uh, today? Oh, no, he's just getting his mic set up out there. Just okay, so. uh, Jeffrey, who else was with Ellen that day? We have uh, Matt Michael. I will Mc introduce them. All right. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. So without further ado, 
Oh, and that's Saturday. That's tomorrow. Is uh, is uh, tomorrow is uh, Kerouac's birthday at the Beat Museum, right there across uh, Red Kitty Corner from the from where one of the places we're all began, City Lights Bookstore, and uh, uh, Jeffrey will be there, but also be there. Maybe you can find them. These are my bums. Bums. All right, Dave, well. let's move on. I introduced them. Uh, at, uh, I was the MC for the 21st anniversary for Woodstock on the original site, and they were a Woodstock band. It was all local, and one of them was the Dharma Bums. 21st anniversary, do the math. But anyway, Jeffrey, take it away. Where your brother? Where'd you meet Jack Kerouac? They asked him when he walked into the place. Uh, the favorite bar of the Hepcats around North Beach. Oh, I always meet my body sotfers in the street, Snyder yelled, and then ordered beers. It was a great night, a historic night, more ways than one. He and uh, some other poets were scheduled to give a poetry reading at the Sixth Gallery in town, and they were all meeting in the bar and getting high. But as they uh, stood and sat around, I saw that he was the only one who didn't look like a poet. Though poet he was indeed. The other poets were either a horn-rimmed intellectual hepcats with wild black hair like well, Allen Ginsberg or uh, delicate, pale, handsome poets like Michael McClure in a suit. Or out of this world, genteel-looking Renaissance Italians like Philip Lamantia, who looks like a young priest or a bow-tied, wild-haired old anarchist fuds like Kenneth Rexroth. <laughs> or uh, big, fat, bespeckled, quiet boo-boos like Philip Whalen. And all the other hopeful poets were standing around in various costumes, <laughs> worn at the sleeve, corduroy jackets, uh, scuffly shoes, books sticking out of their pockets. <laughs> but Gary Snyder was in rough Whirlingman's clothes. He bought secondhand in Goodwill stores. Now, Gary, he wasn't big, just about five foot seven, but strong and wiry, fast and muscular. His face was a mask of woeful bone, but his eyes twinkled to offset the rough look of his handsome face. Uh, he opened his mouth wide to guffaw jokes. Uh, well, sometimes he'd quiet down and just stare sadly at the floor like a man whittling. Uh, oh, he was merry at times. Uh, he showed great sympathetic interest in me. He, he claimed at once that I was a great bodhisattva meaning great wise being or great wise angel, and that I was ornamenting this world with my sincerity. <laughs> well, uh, Gary's buddy, the aforementioned boo-boo, big old good-hearted Philip Whalen, 180 pounds of poet meat, who was uh, advertised by Gary privately in my ear as being more than meets the eye. Well, who is he? He's my big best friend from up in Oregon. <laughs> well, we've known each other a long time. At first, you think he's slow and uh, stupid, but actually, he's a shining diamond. <laughs> You'll see. Don't let him cut you to ribbons. He'll make the top of your head fly away, boy, with a choice chance word. <laughs> anyway, I followed the whole gang of howling poets to the reading at the Sixth Gallery that night, which was, among other important things, the night of the birth of the San Francisco Poetry Renaissance. <laughs> I mean, everyone was there. It was a mad night. 
And I was the one that got things jumping by going around collecting dimes and quarters from the rather stiff audience standing around in the gallery and coming back with three huge gallon jugs of California Burgundy. <laughs> Ah, Red Mountain. And uh, <coughs> getting them all piffed so that by 11 o'clock when Allen Ginsberg is reading this poem, Howl, drunk with arms outspread, uh, everybody yelling, go, 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 like a jam session. And old Kenneth Rexroth, the father of the Frisco poetry scene, was wiping his tears and gladness. Oh, and Gary himself read his fine poems about Coyote, god of the North American Plateau Indians. I, I think. Uh, well, at least the god of the Northwest Indians. <laughs> Fuck you! Sang Coyote and ran away. <laughs> read Gary to the distinguished audience, making them all howl with joy. <laughs> ah, it was so pure. Fuck, being a dirty word that comes out clean. Oh, and he had his tender lyrical lines like the ones about bears eating berries. And, and then Gary showed his sudden barroom humor with lines about coyote bringing goodies. And his anarchistic ideas about how Americans don't know how to live. With lines about commuters being trapped in living rooms that come from poor trees felled by chainsaws. His voice was deep and resonant and and somehow brave, uh, like the voice of old-time American heroes and orators. Something earnest and, and strong and humanly hopeful I liked about him. While the other poets were either too dainty in their aestheticism or too hysterically cynical to hope for anything or too abstract and indoorsy or eh, too political or <laughs> like Whalen, too incomprehensible to understand. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, scores of people stood around in the darkened gallery, straining to hear every word of the amazing poetry reading as I wandered from group to group, uh, facing them and uh, facing them away from the stage, urging them to glug a slug from the jug. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, wandered back and, and sat on the right side of the stage, uh, giving out little wows and yeses of approval, and uh, even <laughs> whole sentences of comment with, well, nobody's invitation, but in the general gaiety, nobody's disapproval either. <laughs> ah, it was a great night. Uh, delicate Philip La Mantilla, <laughs> red from delicate onion skin, uh, yellow pages or pink, which he... He kept flipping carefully with long white fingers the poems of his dead chum, Hoffman, who had eaten too much peyote and chihuahua, but uh, read none of his own poems. A uh, uh, charming elegy in itself to the memory of the dead young poet. And read them in a delicate Englishly voice that <laughs> had me crying with inside laughter. Though later, I got to know Philip, liked him. Oh, among the people standing in the audience was Natalie Jackson, a girl with a short haircut, red-haired, bony, handsome, uh, a real gone chick. 
and friend of well, everybody of any consequence around North Beach. Uh, she'd been a painter's model, a writer herself, <laughs> and was bubbling over with excitement at the time because she was in love with my old buddy, Neil Cassidy. <laughs> Great! Hey, hey, Natalie! I yelled, and, well, she took a big slug from my jug and shined eyes at me. Neil just stood behind her with both arms around her waist. Uh, between poets, Kenneth Rexroth in his bow tie and shabby old coat would get up and make a, a little funny speech in his snide, funny voice and introduce the next reader. But, as they say, come 11.30 when all the poems were read and everyone was milling around wondering what had happened and what would come next in American poetry. He was wiping his eyes with his handkerchief. And we all got together with him. The poets drove in several cars to Chinatown for a big, fabulous dinner off the Chinese menu with chopsticks, yelling conversation in the middle of the night in one of those free-swinging, great Chinese restaurants of San Francisco. Oh, this happened to be Gary's favorite Chinese restaurant, Sam Wo. And he showed me how to order, how to eat with chopsticks, and, and told anecdotes about the Zen lunatics of the Orient. And had me going so glad. And we had a bottle of wine on the table. And finally, I went over to an old cook in the doorway of the kitchen and asked him, why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Uh, Bodhidharma was the Indian who brought Buddhism eastward to China. Uh, I don't care, said the old cook. I told Gary, and he said, Perfect answer. Absolutely perfect. Now you know what I mean by Zen. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jeffrey. You, Jeffrey, you took me right back. Uh, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, just, so you did plug the thing for tomorrow night over at the, at the beat? Great, great. So uh, actually say... I, can I just say one thing what this is from? Yes, please. Um, it's a uh, piece that I'm putting together, a full show. Hopefully it's going to be around the next January at some theater in San Francisco. And I'm taking the uh, uh, writing. It's called San Francisco Views of the City. And I'm taking like writings Jack London about the earthquake of 06, Mark Twain, uh, a lengthy piece by him. H.L. Uh, Mencken, a great funny piece about uh, the 1920 bourbon-driven con uh, Democratic convention that is now the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium, and it's really a fun piece. And then a local writer, Gary Camilla, if anybody knows him, he writes for the Chronicle, and, um, and he, he's, yeah, and he wrote a great book called Cool Gray Cities of Love, which I'm using part of the quotes from. And also, this is going to be in a repertory with a uh, show about Emily Dickinson, uh, another partner in my company, Subtrading Shakespeare, will be performing. Will she be bringing the poetry and letters of Emily Dickinson and other people that influenced her, like Shakespeare and uh, Longfellow? And anyway, so look for that about a year from now at some local theater, and we'll be doing both those shows. And her show, I believe, is called Tentatively Conceiving Emily. So anyway, I guess that's the plug. So thank you so much, everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. And I'd love to bring people from all of those uh, all of those uh, units here to talk about what we're about, to talk about what they're about, and the places where I hang out. And here's Rabble. Hey, go ahead, Rabble. Yeah, there's a couple of audio pieces. I've read everything by Kerouac, and he's been really influential both for um, spoken word and also to rock and folk musicians. So the first one you're going to hear, um, Tom Waits does uh, 
remix of Something Kerouac read live, puts it to music, and it really highlights the rhythm and the cadence of jazz. And the second one is from a tribute CD, Kicks, Joys, and Darkness. Punk rock people were really taken by Kerouac around the turn of the 90s, and the band Morphine sings about what they believe for Kerouac. So happy birthday. Now it's jazz, the place is roaring, all beautiful girls in there, one mad brunette at the bar drunk with her boys, one strange chick I remember from somewhere wearing a simple skirt with pockets, her hands in there, short haircut, slouched, talking to everybody. Up and down the stairs they come, the bartenders of the regular band of Jack and the heavenly drummer who looks up in the sky with blue eyes, with a beard. He's wailing beer caps and bottles and jamming at the cash register and everything is going to the beat. It's the beat generation, it's Bayat. It's the beat to keep, it's the beat of the heart. It's being beat and down in the world and like old time lowdown. And like an ancient civilization, it's the slave boatmen rowing galleys to a beat. And servants spinning pottery to a beat. The faces. There's no face to compare with Jack Mingers, who's up on the bandstand now with a colored trumpeter who outblows him wild and dizzy, but Jack's face overlooking all the heads in smoke. He has a face that looks like everybody you've ever known and seen on the street in your time. Sweet face, hard to describe. Sad eyes, cool lips, expectant gleam, swaying to the beat, tall, majestical, waiting in front of the drugstore. Face like monkeys in New York. Hunky, whom you'll see on Times Square, somnolent and alert, sad, sweet, and dark, holy, just out of jail, martyred, tortured by sidewalks, starved for sex and companionship, open to anything, ready to introduce a new world, shrugged, Colored big tenor with the big tones blowing sunny stits clear out of Kansas City roadhouses. Clear, heavy, somewhat dull and unmusical ideas which nevertheless never leave the music. Always there, always far out. The harmony too complicated for the motley bums of music understanding in there. But the musicians here. The drummer is a sensational 12-year-old Negro boy who's not allowed to drink, but can play. Tremendous, a little lithe, childlike Miles Davis kid. Like early Fast and the Barrel fans you used to see in Espan Harlem, hep, small. He thunders at the drums with a beat which is described to me by a near-standing connoisseur with beret as a fabulous beat. On piano is Blondie Bill, good enough to drive any group. Now Jack Minger blows out and over his head with these angels from Fillmore. I dig him. Now he's terrific. I just stand in the outside hall against the wall, no beer necessary, with collections of in-and-out listeners, with Bernie, and now here returns Bob Berman. He's a kid from West Indies. He barged into my party six months earlier with Dean and the gang, and I had a Chet Baker record on, and we hooked it each other in the room. Tremendous. The perfect place of dancing, casual, like Joe Lewis, casually hoofing. He comes now in dancing like that, glad. Everybody looks everywhere. It's a jazz joint and beat generation mad trick. You see someone, hi. Then you look away elsewhere for something, someone else. It's all insane. When you look back, you look away around. Everything is coming in from everywhere in the sound of the jazz. Hi, hey, bang. A little drummer takes a solo, reaching his young hands all over traps and kettles and cymbals and foot pedal boom in a fantastic crash of sound. Twelve years old. What will happen? All right. 
Jack Kerouac recordings, but the Tom Waits remix. Very cool. Thanks, DJ Rubble, for bringing that in. And, uh, you know, feel free to keep bringing, bringing, we'll play all those tracks uh, over time. Out here on the studio, we've got Rainbow and Drift to give us a song. Welcome yeah, back, you okay. two. Thanks for being here. Take it away. Hey, the name, the name of this song is Before You Wind Up Dead, and that's aimed at me, too, or, or even worse than that. When you gonna wake up? When you gonna stop? What's it gonna take? For you and all the Sitting on a log 
in the fall Well, when you go to learn There's a radiation burn You better get out of your head Before you wind up dead Before you wind up dead Thank you. Thank you. You guys are so bad. Rainbow Drift. Rainbow Drift. How do? So cool. And, and now we got the last five minutes, Bill. At nine o'clock. All right. Who's got who's Yeah, Dog Paw's waiting on the wings with some friends. So, hey, James. Hey, Blood Flower. Hey, the. And we'll be back next week, maybe. We'll be back next week, probably. We'll be back next week, I hope. Is that right, Val? That's right. Hi, James Ellis. Hello, Global Val. Your mic's on, and so is Bloodflowers. Thanks for coming through today. Always good to see you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Damn Dave. It's from the writings, the journal. Mr. J. Krishnamurti. Consciousness and a totally new morality are necessary to bring about a radical change in present culture, social structure. This is obvious. Yet the left and the right and the revolutionaries seem to disregard it. Any dogma, any formula, any ideology is part of the old consciousness. They are the fabrications of thought. Whose activity is fragmentation. The left, the right, the center. This activity will inevitably lead to bloodshed of the left. Or the right, or to totalitarianism. <laughs> this is what is going on around us. One sees the necessity of social, economic, moral change, but the response is from the old consciousness. Thought being the principal actor, the mess the confusion and the misery that human beings have got into are within the area of the old consciousness. Without changing that profoundly, every human activity, political, economic, or religious, will only bring us to the destruction of each other and of the earth. This is so obvious to the same. One has to be a light to oneself. This light is the law. There is no other law. All the other laws are made by thought. 
and so fragmentary and contradictory. To be a light to oneself is not to follow the light of another. However reasonable, logical, historical, however convincing. You cannot be a light to yourself if you are in the dark shadows of authority, of dogma, of conclusion. <laughs> Morality is not put together by thought. It's not the outcome of environmental pressure. It's not of yesterday, of tradition. Morality is the child of love. And love is not desire and pleasure. Sexual or sensory enjoyment is not love. High in the mountains, there was hardly any birds. There were some crows. There were deer and an, an occasional bear. The huge redwoods, the silent ones, were everywhere. Dwarfing all other trees. It was a magnificent country and utterly peaceful. For no hunting was allowed. Every animal, every tree and flower was protected. Sitting under one of those massive redwoods, one was aware of the history of man and the beauty of the earth. A fat red squirrel passed by most elegantly, stopping a few feet away, watching, wondering what you were doing there. The earth was dry, and there was a stream nearby. Not a leaf stirred. And the beauty of silence was among the trees. Going slowly along the narrow path around a bend was a bear. Four cubs as large as big cats. And they rushed off to crawl up trees. And the mother faced one without a movement, without a sound. About 50 feet separated us. She was enormous. Brown and prepared. One immediately turned one's back on her and left. Each understood there was no fear and no intention to hurt. But all the same, one was glad. To be among the protecting trees, squirrels and the scolding jays. <laughs> Freedom is to be a light to oneself. Then it's not an abstraction, a thing conjured up by thought. Actual freedom is freedom from dependency, attachment. From the craving for experience. Freedom from the very structure of thought is to be a light to oneself. In this light, all action takes place. And thus, it's never contradictory. Contradiction exists only when that law, light, is separate from action. When the actor is separate from action. <laughs> the idea, the principle, is the barren movement of thought and cannot coexist with this light. One denies the other. This light, this law is separate from you. Where the observer is, this light, this love is not the structure of the observer is put together by thought, which is never new, never free. There is no how, no system, no practice. There is only the seeing, which is the doing. 
you have to see not through the eyes of another this light this law it's neither yours nor that of another there is only light this is love And there he be, uh, James Light Ellis. Is love. Reading J. Krishnamurti, Blood Flower on Piano. Thank you for your contribution. I know you two actually are a couple of winners from a Porchlight Storytelling Series this past month. Uh, won, won the Storytelling Prize, uh, broke, uh, broke ground by bringing music into it. Um, so it was a lot of fun to see and be a part of uh, this a couple of weeks ago. Wow. And so here we are in the, in the last portion of our show, and our, and our friend and DJ Dogpaw has brought in a few friends uh, to, to uh, do what you do. So take it away, Dogpaw. Dogpaw, it's on you now, brother. It's just so cool to be here with everybody, and uh, we've been waiting patiently. We've had just so many people come through, and they're all Thank good, you. and they're all vital, and it's exciting for me. I'm used to uh, the uh, uh, circus-like uh, kind of atmosphere that, that we have here on mutiny radio and you're a pro i've been watching you yeah exactly you're not a fly this plane that's very i'm very impressed uh but i'm Thank here uh, to talk about a show that uh, i'm a part of that we've uh, been working on over at luna rianne gallery uh, located at 33 22nd street uh right there off of valencia street a fine fine gallery they've been with uh, the mission now for a little over 10 years. They just had 10-year anniversary. Uh, just a great, great couple. They got married there. They got a nice little patio area in the back. And so there's a lot of love in that gallery, let's just say. Lunar Rianne Gallery. And so I put together this six-man show, a six-person show, uh, uh, over there that's running until the 21st of the month. And so it'll be up for another about a, a, under a week and a half. And on board we have uh, uh, just... Mission District art luminaries like uh, uh, Rene Yanez, you know, who who started uh, Galeria La Raza, you know, 40 some years ago. Michael Rios, you know, who's uh, uh, has done so much work, you know, that did uh, some of the early uh, street art, you know, before they were called murals, right? And uh, so he's on part of the show. I've got two other friends, David Crook and uh, uh, Colin Bowring. And joining us here today, uh, we have uh, Calixto Robles, who's uh, brought this amazing uh, color and paint uh, over there at Luna Rianne. He's got his own room. And, uh, you know, we, we enjoy the uh, vibration that Calixto has, uh, has brought uh, to the show. The show's called Phoenix Mission, and it kind of touches on the, the artist spirit kind of rising up. Uh, from from whatever type of displacement or you know we're all going through some type of struggle no one is alone in that regard and uh, the artist uh, uh, you know we we endure we we create it makes us stronger you know you get great music out of it you know just great blues great country music and all that and so we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, our uh, reception that we had last Friday, which was, um, it starts out like this. It was a cold, dark, stormy night, you know, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. It was just raining salamanders, you know. Yeah. And frogs and turtles and stuff, you know. <laughs> but people showed up. We had a really good crowd, you know, and, um, and my man here was, uh, he was glowing 
that night. We were all glowing, you know. These were these were all 49er fans. I'm sus- uh, I suspect, you know, they come out in the rain and you know, they don't they don't, you know, they're willing to brave the elements and these Niner fans were art fans. And so Very uh, cool. Yeah, and so Calixto. How are you doing today? You're a very patient man. Yes, welcome we to the show. About that. Thank you, Doug Poet. Thank you for Radio Muting for, for the invitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we wanted to hear your your story about the art that you have uh, hanging up on the walls there. You know, it was uh, quite a celebration of color that night. Yes, at, uh, uh, I was very pleased to be uh, invited to the show with, with those uh, uh, great artists like Michael Rio, Rene Yanez, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Crook. Um, yeah, my, my work is, uh, those pieces that I, sh- I show there, the, there are some pieces that I made uh, like maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was just a mix of different different uh, topics, you know, like uh, some, some pieces that kind of uh, uh, focus on on images of peace and and you know uh, compassion and and good energy mm-hmm. uh, and also other pieces like the jaguar you know the, the jaguar that um, um, the jaguar that I, uh, I that's an image that I've been using for for a long time uh, I'm from Mexico from the state of Oaxaca mm-hmm. and I came here in 1983 and since I came here to San Francisco I, I start um, studying about my roots, you know, and, uh, and I started reading about the, um, the Aztecs, the Mayas, the, uh, the Zapotecs, the Mixtecs, and uh, I, I, learned, I learned that uh, I come from a, a very, um, a, a, a very great culture, and, uh, and that, that, that gave me a lot of strength in this, in this, in this country, you know, mm-hmm. and I used the I started using the, the, the jaguar because for me it represents um, um, the, the warrior of, of my culture that is still in these times, more, more now, you know, uh, with all this uh, uh, globalization, all this mm-hmm. materialism, uh, uh, the, the ancient cultures of, of Mexico, not only Mexico, all the culture of the world, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they have to be to be ready to, you know, to keep their, their traditions, you know, their, their magic, you know. Their, Absolutely. They their always. Yeah, you know, uh, what I noticed about the pieces that you brought in is that they all touch on these uh, animal uh, uh, spirits, you know, the jaguar, and you have birds up there. And uh, I was uh, looking at uh, just uh, the paint, and uh, did you combine uh, materials in the paint? I noticed that they had this uh, texture uh, on uh, in the paint, could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, uh, I do. I do a lot of uh, techniques, you know. I, I, um, besides doing painting, I do uh, a sculpture, you know, ceramic sculpture with my hands. Mm-hmm. I also do uh, um, printmaking. And uh, uh, in 1986, I discovered the Mission Cultural Center, and I I start attending to classes with uh, 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 drawing classes, and then. I became part of Mission Grafica, the the studio of uh, screen printing uh, studio, and I le- and I learned the, the screen printing technique there. And since 19, 
90, I've been teaching a screen printing class to to anybody, you know. Uh, I've been doing, uh, I've been teaching kids from um, uh, middle schools, uh, uh, you know, all over, right? Uh, all, yes, and yeah. it's try to, you know, to to pass this this knowledge that I, I learned and that is it's good to to see kids doing art you know and i think screen printing is a great technique because it's it's easy and and you can see the you can see the the results immediately you know exactly uh, exactly um yeah so well you know it was like that with me you know when i was in my teens you know i had michael rios that's how i met michael rios you know and and uh yeah, 16 years old, boys club. We ended up painting the Bank of America mural, and I've been his friend. We've been friends ever since, you know. And and yes, art does save lives, you know. In the end, you know, these kids that you've taught, you know, now have that light, you know. Uh, at least I like to think so, you know, because it is instant. You know, it's like magic, like instantly, you know, it appears. And so, yeah, I like that. No, I, I really enjoyed those pieces that you brought in. It brought a lot of power to the room. Yeah, yeah. sorry, you, you asked me about the techniques. And, mm -hmm. and those paintings, um, most of those paintings are oil paintings, but uh, some of them I, I, I use uh, a little bit of a, um, a marble dust, like, ah, like sand. Okay, and, okay. and that's a technique that, for some reason, in Oaxaca, uh, and I think in other, other, other parts, mm -hmm. other places, the, 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 the painters in Oaxaca, they've been using this, this technique of, you know, um, marble dust mixed with oil, and then they 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 put it in the in the canvas, and mm -hmm. that that gives you uh, a beautiful uh, texture. You know, you could see that yes. in the mm -hmm. light over there, just really popping. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. And how long you been doing that? Uh, well, I've been doing art since you know since I was a kid, right? Well, I mean this. But but, but, but this technique, um, I did it. You know, I I, I go to different st stages, right? Like. I, I learned this technique maybe like 10 years ago and I did a series of works doing using the marble dust with the oil and then I changed you know and then I started doing other things and you know I just go try this this thing go back and you know keep keep changing you know well it's an evolutionary process uh, art is you know it's ongoing I mean just what we saw here today I mean it's literally ongoing you just open up the door and they all come in you know you you know about it's that. <laughs> it's true yeah i mean we sometimes have like a musician will show up here playing alone and meet somebody else here and they might play together that day or we, i've seen it where they actually make a friendship mm -hmm. and then they come back two weeks later and they've written you know some original songs together so mm -hmm. yeah it's a, it's an evolution and mm -hmm. you know not that's that's what's great about art you know when it's not commercialized because when yeah. it's commercialized it's like okay we've got this one thing mm -hmm. now let's make a million of them mm -hmm. right but this is i mean that's not the nature of art mm -hmm. it's always I just changing to say that uh, calixto has uh, been getting just great support from all corners of the bay area and one in particular that i was impressed with uh was carlos santana where he's done some work uh, for uh, Carlos, you know, and uh, maybe want to talk a little bit, just a little bit, if you want, you know, about that, because I noticed those images that you had, they were really, really beautiful. I, I just, yes, you know, you know um, uh, thanks to the art, thanks to the Mission Cultural Center, you know, mm -hmm. that gave me the chance to learn this, this technique, 
I had met a lot of people in, uh, in 1990, 1991, I, I met uh, Carlos Santana, and, and he, since I met him, uh, uh, he started collecting my work and, and, uh, and supporting my, my, my art. And, uh, and, and, and uh, I'm, being, I'm very grateful that he, 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 besides being my collector, he is my friend, you know. I, I, I see him in different places in the world, and, uh, and he, he's always ready to, to help me. And, you know, sometimes I have the chance to see him and, and hang out with him and talk and, mm -hmm. you know. Um, mm -hmm. Nice, you know, it's a very, oh, yeah. it's a, that guy is a very spiritual, spiritual guy who Absolutely. really, really helps a lot of people. You know? Yeah, and, and you know, being Carlos Santana is not a, an easy thing to do, and for him to still be Carlos Santana after all these years and not be affected by, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, the machine, you know, that music can be uh, in this country, he's very, very strong and all, he's never let me down. Good. Never, yeah. ever. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we got an event happening up uh, at Luna Rian Gallery. I was uh, talking to Anthony and everybody over there. This next Friday, um, I believe from 6 to 9, there's going to be a, a, a final event over there, uh, 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 coinciding with the tail end of the show. And so if folks are in the area, 3318 22nd Street, uh, off of Valencia Street there next Friday. What is the date on that uh, next Friday? Do you know? I, I should know this It's a good question. I should, too. Yeah, well, oh, let's see. It's 11th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th. March 18th. Exactly. Uh, and, and what time is that going to happen? Um, we're looking at 6 to 9. Okay, cool. Yeah, come 6 on to 9 p.m. And, and look at all this fine art that we have on the walls for you. Very cool. And so it's called the Luna Rien. Luna Rien. Luna, L-U-N-A-R-I-E-N-N-E. Dot com. And uh, our art is up there now, so you can see Calixto's work and Michael's work and everybody that's involved with the show. Uh, you can see each and every uh, piece that's up there up close and in fine detail and living color and just it'll make you feel good and come on down because that's what we're about. We are architects of moments, pure moments, oh. you know. Beautiful. Beautiful. I, I look forward to coming down. So can, can people stop by the gallery at different times, too? Or is it, does uh, it have... Check out the website. All the, uh, okay. the, uh, uh, the schedule is there. Hours and everything? Yeah, it's usually uh, open, I'm, I'm going to say, between Wednesdays and Sundays. But check the website just the same. All right. The Lunarien. And th thank you, uh, Kalitsto, for coming in. Um, thanks for talking about your art and uh, for the messages in your art. Thank you. Thank it's really you. important. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always welcome here. Always welcome. Can we play a little something? We can. Yeah, we've got a little time to play. Okay. And then uh, and then we'll bit. go on to the probably the last few minutes. Yeah, this is a little gem that was written by a good friend of mine, uh, Ramon Garcia, called La Mision. And uh, a good guy, one of the local artists that uh, is still hanging on and creating in the mission, just like Calixto and I and everybody, you know out of the ashes. And so here we have La Mision by Ramon Garcia. Thanks, Doc Pa. On Mutiny Radio. That were born and raised in La Mission. And for all those that have passed, may you rest in peace. You were not forgotten. You were not forgotten. Uno, dos, tres. I'm Ramon G. I speak Espanoli. And if you don't know me, I suggest you ask somebody. So see that I'm out of my mind But it's because I've been in the music biz a long, long, long time Singing salsa, jazz, and R&B 
Trying to be all that I could be Just trying to make the people happy You see, you see Now I was born and raised in La Michonne On any given weekend you can see me behind the microphone Singing songs from my corazón Yeah I remember when I was 13 years old Skinny little kid with a big ass afro I was a poor little nigga Sometimes I eat Cheerios for dinner But much love to my mom though She kept the family stable Even if there wasn't no food on the table She was tough But that's because 21st and Folsom was rough And even though she only had a second grade education There wasn't nothing we could talk about without limitations She was my mommy She was my daddy She made me oh so very happy And I remember every Friday night On 24th Street Checking out the lowriders go by no Did I go to Burner Heights And check out the city lights city Next lights. we get the congas, bongos and timbales Go to Dolores Park Play a little music Drink a little beer Smoke a little weed And eat tamales Man, I miss those days Man, I appreciate Being born and raised in Hey Ramon, what's up? Man, I kind of feel lost I don't know if I'm in the hate or the marina And I will see the neighborhood has changed And I feel kind of strange Cause I don't see no traces of my people's faces But what I do see is a lot of internet cafes Selling coffee, banana cake and lattes Full of plastic people with a whole lot of money to spend No wonder the poor can't afford the rent I guess that's the way the cookie crumbles in the hands in the have not jungle Well I'm through being humble and I'm about to rumble And if you feel disturbed by my words Pack up your bags and move back to the suburbs Cause it's about to be a mutiny in the community Cause I ain't got nowhere to go, nowhere to flow This is where I was born So enjoy the calm before the storm Hey Rich, remember back in the day? Yeah. These people won't come around, they were too afraid. Yeah, I remember. Now they don't wanna leave, they wanna stay. Check out the statistics. Every day someone new is a victim. That's because the rich man got the monopoly, the coke has to buy all the property. So what does that leave me? Not much, basically we're screwed So I do what I gotta do just to make the ends meet Just to stay on my feet Cause I don't wanna sleep in the streets And that I also forget to mention that I gotta eat I remember when the mission was neglected Now it's affected by the highly respected That wanna resurrect it for the well connected That's why they closed the door on the poor They wanna ship us off to the new ghetto Stockton, Vallejo and even Sacramento But wait un momento I think I'll stick around and join La Rebellion That's about to pop off and let me show Yeah, yeah La Yo soy, yo soy de la 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 One more time La Yo soy de La Tengo mi corazón para siempre La Yo soy, yo soy de la La Y nunca te olvidaré, nunca te olvidaré La
All right, La Mision. I love it when you, we get to play that song. Who sings that song again, Doug? That was Ramon Garcia of La Mision, just a local uh, talent. Popped that in my in my paws, you know, and said, <laughs> here, play that. And I did, and I'm, I'm really digging that one, La Mision. Right on. Well, it's definitely telling a story mm-hmm. uh, of the city. And so we've just got a few more minutes here, and I know that uh, you guys are going to come back next week and do some stuff. Tell us about it. What's going to happen? Yeah, well, you know, uh, the modern world being what it is, you know, when, uh, like we were just saying, you know, when you say the word cassette, you know, people kind of, you know, stop and think about it, you know, maybe a little knee-jerk reaction perhaps or something, like, you know. Uh, on a bicycle, you know, the cassette cluster oh exactly okay joining us here this is uh, uh pete moss pleased to be here and and also uh, an old favorite uh, a regular standby howard williams you know we used to be bike messengers and so we just had an hey, anniversary hey, keep that to yourself there uh, okay We're yeah yeah <laughs> oh, here we go here we go. Yeah, see? And it was just one of those jobs that, uh, you know, you, if you were homeless or if you were downtrodden or disenfranchised, you know, you could literally lift yourself up in San Francisco yeah. and not have to live under the bridge or whatever, you know, and, and, and live in the mission. Well, bike messenger. Yeah, yeah, back then you could the afford mission. to have a place, an actual room. Right. You know, mm-hmm. on, you know, I could make $300 a week as a bike messenger and a room was like maybe 80 or or 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A few yeah. years I lived on Pacific Heights. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a you know, the a venerable profession, right? You're And you're working hard. What I always kind of admired about the bike messengery, um, when I, whenever I see bike messengers, I'm like, you know what? That's such a cool job. You know, it, because you're, you're helping out everybody else's business, but you don't really have to, like, deal too much with everybody else's business. You're just kind of popping in, helping them out because you're bringing yeah. them something, mm-hmm. helping them out because you're picking something up, mm-hmm. but then you just get to walk out and, mm-hmm. and ride your bike and, uh, you know, Weather was standing, and, but um, it always it, I I I I'm kind of fascinated by it. Well, yeah, it can have its uh, shadow-like characteristics, where you know, wow, where'd he go? He was just standing there, you know, that whole thing, you know, the yeah. whole whoosh, like well, on the yeah, street. You, you know, have to be hard like, to hit, you know. You have to be hard to hit, otherwise yeah. you're going to get run over. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, lived in North Beach, and I was a bike messenger, and a bike messenger, ten dollars a week, at the Swiss American Hotel. But of course, that was in 1957. Yeah, <laughs> right yeah. Uh-huh. Bike messenger by day. There we go. <laughs> here, look at this, Look at, look at all these by veterans day. here. Beatnik by day and night. <laughs> it was 1957. And I was in seventh heaven, a nonlinear dart on the urban checkerboard. Take it away, Moses. So let me tell you, did you ever drive a Packard? Uh, I forget the bike, but I had when I inherited it. I worked for RCA and inherited the bike. It was a single speed. That's what we had. Single speed, cut down. Now it's back in style, but then back then it was perfect. It was bike messenger by day and beatnik by day and night. Take it away. <laughs> yeah. So what? Yeah. So uh, tell us about what's happening next week because we just got a couple minutes here. Well, before you we know, we uh, originally had brought a, a bunch of uh, vintage uh, bike messenger music that hasn't seen the light of day in like what over three th- decades, you know. <laughs> and it's all in analog, uh, a state of analog, and uh, we couldn't really project that today because there's no cassette player. But we will yeah. get a cassette player, or we will fix that all. So this is a little Very preview cool. of what we uh, shoot for. Nice. We'll shoot for, t- for next week, you know. 
pretty exciting stuff. A lot of good surf. You like surf uh, guitar? Yes, yes. There sure. you go. Oh, yeah. I'm a Californian, so I think, there you I think go. it's kind of like in your blood a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right? yeah. We got uh, a bunch of El Cid, you know, uh, was uh, another uh, popular band, you know, yeah. th- throughout the years, you know. We had them all. We had girl bands, boy bands, and everything in between. Nice. For sure. Well, well, so folks, if you're listening, today is March 11th. That we're talking about next Friday, March. I think we decided is the 19th. Uh, 18th, um, 19th. I think yeah, yeah 19th. <laughs> that elementary school math just flies into action. I know, right? You know? Right. But you got to go like one to two to do. But we also have another announcement that Dave handed to me from Stephanie. Maybe Stephanie, just jump on right. and give a quick announcement for what's happened coming up. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you guys, too. Hello, everybody. Yeah, I wanted to invite everyone to an open mic that I'm starting to co-host with a homie of mine, Andreina, um, who does a lot of the programming help with Mission Cultural Center, and we're going to be um, throwing off our our first of the year co-hosting gala um, this St. Patrick's Day. And costumes are encouraged, but you can wear your normal costume as your costume. Um, it's all about just radical inclusion. We want everyone to just bring their fun, and we need audience. And it's just a, I, I just want it to be a, a beautiful space where we explore creativity. Hopefully, we'll have time to jam um, and try out new things. And yeah, to celebrate art and celebrate what this community is strong in. Yeah, and just beautiful love. Uh, at the Mission Cultural Center, it's the third Thursday of every month. From uh, the sign-ups are at seven thirty, and the show is going to be from eight to roughly like nine, nine thirty. Awesome, Stephanie, yeah, and it's free, free, everyone, free admission, free for the artists. So that's like no charge. Yeah, no charge. <laughs> or as, or as my friend of mine likes to say, free ninety-nine. I love you, Stephanie. So good to have you come through. I think I've been, keep up the good work, sister. Thank you so much. All well, thank right. you, Belle. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for, for bringing what you bring and everybody for, for doing the same. This is the Common Thread Collective you've been listening to on mutinyradio.fm. We're here live every Friday from 3 till about quarter to 6, uh, the Common Thread Collective, right here at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets in the Mission District of San Francisco. I'm Global Val, and I also want to remind everybody that earlier today, on Mar- this is March 11th, um, I also interviewed three women who are running for supervisor uh, for, from District 1, Sandra Fewer, District 9, Hillary Ronan, who's the chief of staff for, for David Campos, and uh, Kimberly Alvarenga, who's running for District 11, all, all to replace um, the uh, outgoing term down out supervisors so uh, three mothers running for supervisor of san francisco 2016 is a big year and i want to wish everybody a happy women's history or history month so keep tuning in to both common thread collective and women's magazine throughout the month of march we're going to keep having fun and uh, putting out the good word as much as we can that's for sure thanks uh, another great show yeah, thank you for having us on Anytime. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for supporting Mutiny Radio. Peace. And we love you. Remember back in the day, yeah. people won't come around, they were too afraid. Yeah, I remember. Now they don't want to leave, they want to stay. Check out the statistics, every day someone new is a victim. What? 
That's because the rich man got the monopoly, the co-cash to buy all the property. So what does that leave me? Not much, basically we're screwed So I do what I gotta do just to make the ends meet Just to stay on my feet Cause I don't wanna sleep in the streets And that I also forget to mention that I gotta eat I remember when the mission was neglected Now it's affected by the highly respected That wanna resurrect it for the well connected That's why they closed the door on the port They wanna ship us off to the new ghetto Stockton, Vallejo New York and even Sacramento But wait un momento I think I'll stick around and join La Rebellion That's about to pop off and let me show Yeah, yeah La And also remember that Mexican New Year is happening over on Valencia Street right now at CCSF Valencia Mission Campus uh, under the largest Aztec calendar in the world. Uh, Go check it out. They're having um, events all evening. uh, And I believe Valencia Street's locked off right now for the... Um, for the initial ceremony, and then they're going to be moving back into the courtyard of CCSF Mission Campus, Mashika New Year. Go and evolve. Break it down This goes out to all the homies and the homegirls that were born and raised in La Michonne. And for all those that have passed, may you rest in peace. You were not forgotten. You were not forgotten.
fight, thrive, fear. Sing a kind of melody in. Sing, eins, zwei, drei, vier. Sing a kind of melody in. Sing, eins, zwei, drei, vier. Sing a kind of melody in. Sing, eins, zwei, drei, vier.
Thank you.